When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hardcore Surf History. Tom Curran versus Mark Ocalupo, semifinals of the 1986 Rip Curl Bells Beach Classic. It's been called pro surfing's heaviest man-on-man heat. As it unfolded, everyone watching from the cliffs at Bells began to realize that what they were witnessing was truly historic. At that moment in time, this was the world's best goofy foot against the world's best regular foot, both riding boards they trusted in good overhead surf. Each guy knew the other was totally going off and that just pushed the level of riding up to a whole new plateau. Driven by his quest for his first world title, Curran won this battle on a split decision. Still, Aki remains the only surfer in the top 16 with a favorable winning percentage against Curran. By now, you probably have seen the highlights of the uh, heritage heat between Tom Kern and Mark Acalupo. Uh, it was held at this year's 60th anniversary Rip Curl Pro Bells Beach Easter Classic. And yeah, the heat, the surfing was hot. Unfortunately, the conditions were less than ideal. But both surfers definitely were bringing it. And I would say the surfing was definitely the best of the day of all the heats that they ran. And it was really nice to see both of the surfers, Tom and Aki, take this heat somewhat seriously. Um, Tom riding his, you know, standard black beauty, which was nice to see him riding something more. Uh, with a little bit more length than last time when they had this heritage heat in 2019, where Curran basically uh, took out his skimboard. Aki riding his uh, Raging Bull model from JS and looked incredible. Uh, Curran started off the heat looking strong, a couple big, nice big off the top, a really nice clean 
carving turn that looked wonderful. And then he just kind of smoothly rode the wave all the way in. It was just a real economy of movement, not a whole lot of wiggling and, and working, just real easy flow, letting the board almost do a lot of the work. Uh, whereas Aki, on the other hand, just didn't have the length of ride, but oh, he had the aggression. Uh, there was his eight-point ride where he did a really gouging grab rail bottom turn into a massive off-the-lip. And that, that wave just sealed it for him, basically, and just gave him the edge over Curran. Um, this heat is incredible to watch, and it's always great to see the two uh, get together, no matter how manufactured it is. Um, but this heat has a lot of significance, and it means a lot to many surfers. And for many of you, you may not be aware of the history that uh, is behind this rivalry. And we are at Hardcore Surf History introducing a new subcast that we're calling Surf History 101. These are short explainers about events of historical significance in surfing. And today we're going to be discussing the epic clash of the titans between Tom Curran and Mark Ocalupo at their 1986 Rip Curl Bells Beach Easter Classic. Um, so... Without further ado, let's go right into it. So, what is the importance of this heat to professional surfing? Uh, we have to ask, like, why do we revere these two surfers so much? Um, why was this heat, the 1986 Bells Beach semifinal between Aki and Kern, so important? Uh, why do we constantly obsess over it? It is, you know, we're now, you know, almost 35 plus years on from that heat and it, we still talk about it. We still revere it as one of the greatest man-on-man -man heats of all time. Uh, so first, let's, let's ask, who are these two surfers that captured our imagination and inspired generations? Quote, Derek Hind, Together, they had once been a juggernaut, almost single-handedly creating a new order within progressive surfing. Their career parallels are uncanny. Both surfers rose in marauding blurs within a year of each other back in 1983. They've engaged in the mightiest man-on-man -man heats of the past. They turned their shapers into demigods and had been responsible for tens of millions of greenbacks worth of growth for their main sponsors at the time, OP and Rip Curl, Billabong, and Peak Wetsuits. So Derek frames it here as, you know, these two were incredibly important to the surf industry, to surf culture, and to the growth of professional surfing. Uh, so I can't emphasize enough like how important this was. So let's first, let's talk about the heat in 1986. So back then, the ASP, the, the former governing body of the uh, Pro Tour, the Association of Surfing Professionals, uh, they actually, their years for world championships ran uh, over two years, basically. It wasn't a two-year event, but basically 
it would be considered an 85-86 season as opposed to just 1986. There's always a little bit of confusion in the 80s there of naming and crowning world champions. Uh, but their tour started in 85 and ended in 86. And they finished at the in the Australian leg uh, and wasn't actually in Hawaii, believe it or not. Um, contrary to popular belief, Kern's main rival was actually was not Aki, but Barton Lynch. Uh, Barton, he was actually leading the tour going into Oz, uh, the final final leg of the tour that year. He had a nice little lead, but Kern had uh, you know had done a couple things. He won boycotted events in South Africa. So that gave uh, Barton a little bit of an edge there, but Kern had started the year really strong. So going into Australia, Barton had a slight lead, and it was Kern, though, for his to take. And so first, they actually had the uh, they had the Stubbies Pro at Burley Heads, and that was before Bells. And what's interesting there, and what's not talked about very often is that Curran and Aki met in the semifinals at the Stubbies. And Curran got the nod over Aki, although many contest that Aki was grossly underscored for a wave. It was then that Curran went on into the finals to compete against uh, Barton. And according to Derek Hind, he just blew Barton away. He just slaughtered him. And according to Derek uh Barton never really hit his level, like his peak level against Kern. He never rose to the occasion. And I think that's partly why Aki is more part of this conversation than Barton has been. Uh, Aki always lifted his performance against Kern, and the two always pushed each other. So I think there, it's kind of interesting to kind of think about how... Barton was probably the main main person in the mix who was competing with Kern for the title, but it's always talked about as Kern and Hockey. So here they are, post Burley Heads. They're going into Bells. It's big. It's lumpy. It's six to eight foot. Messy, but very contestable. Uh, if you look at the footage, if you go into Surf Into Summer, the Billabong Surf movie, or Amazing Surf Stories by Scott Dietrich, you can see the footage. It's really chunky powerful surf uh lots of lips and sh and bully sections to hit it's really fun looking bells actually it looks kind of sick uh curran was on his now famous black beauty board and aki was on his rusty um the two clashed and what's interesting uh i was going back studying and reading up on old articles about this um Curran was getting underscored in this heat, apparently. Uh, many people felt that Curran's scores were not just, were not just. They definitely, he deserved higher scores, but for some reason, the judging was definitely going a little low uh, for him. Aki, on the other hand, was looking pretty incredible. I mean, his backhand at Bells is a thing of beauty. It's something... I honestly, like, I don't see replicated today. I don't know if there's any equal surfer on tour uh, at Bells that you can compare to Aki, other than maybe Carolyn Marks. I think she's probably one of the closest who can get to that Aki grab rail bottom turn and, and under the hook snap. Um, 
both went head to head and each wave just kept pushing each other more and more. Curran, he was doing what they call a double pump, double pump bottom turn. And this here, basically what he does is he comes off the bottom, engages his rail off the bottom, but then gives another pump, which pushes him past vertical. And then he goes and hits the lip. This was something that hadn't been seen or done before, really, uh, until Kern started doing them. And Kern had also that year put on a little bit of weight in his thighs, so he was looking really strong, could really push his boards a lot further. Uh, whereas Aki, you just saw him going for it. Unfortunately, Aki had an opportunity to overtake Kern and did this massive closeout re-entry, but couldn't hang on. There was just too much, much whitewash, and Curran got the pass and beat Aki. This was an incredible heat. I mean, everyone who was there apparently knew what they were witnessing was historical, and the level of surfing, if you were to watch surf footage back then, and then you watch this heat, it's just miles above anything that was being done at the time. Both surfers looking incredible. Uh, Curran would then go on to have a final against Tom Carroll, where Tom Carroll won, but Curran was probably spent from the semi and didn't need to, uh, didn't need to uh, push it any further. Um, it's interesting, but then Curran claimed the world title. And now Curran was the first U.S. pro surfing world champion. And so this was really, uh, really significant, really important, and meant a lot to the whole industry, basically. So I want to take a step back here. Now imagine that there is a world that we live in where there's no Tom Curran or Mark Ocalupo. Bells didn't happen, the clash, the, uh, you know, the OP pro battles between Aki and Curran had never happened. Uh, the talk, the camps, the fandom, all of that stuff. Do you think the ASP would have survived without Curran and Aki? Do you think uh, we would all be so gung-ho on pro surfing had it not been for that battle? Uh, that rivalry between those two. Do you even think that Kelly Slater would would have had such an impact on surfing had Curran or Aki not been around? It's it's hard to imagine uh, Barton Lynch. You know, if he had won the world title that year, it's and this is no slight against Barton. I love him, but it's hard to imagine that anyone would be super inspired by his surfing. It's hard to imagine anyone else. I mean, look at the, some of the champions after. I mean, you look at Barton and Damian Hardman. Again, phenomenal surfers, but not really inspiring. The next world champ, Martin Potter, maybe. You could definitely say he was inspiring and really an uh, uh, incredible surfer to watch, but he lacked a lot of the consistency and never really had a rivalry per se even on his world title year it was no contest but he never really had that fandom in that way people loved his free surfing almost more than his competitive surfing so 
And you think about it, who would replace him? Tom Carroll, maybe. But even Tom Carroll, like, people loved his surfing, but he did not inspire uh, a generation of people and style, basically. Aki and Curran, there is something unique about them. There is something about those two uh, that really draws, you know, draws us all in and inspires us and pulls us into their charisma, their reluctance, you know, ah, Curran's reluctance to speak, Aki's, you know, ambition to speak. You know, it was very, they contrasted each other so perfectly and they did lift each other's performances. So I really have a difficult time imagining the ASP tour really taking on as much momentum had there not been a Kern and Aki rivalry. So now the question is, who were Tom Kern and Mark Ocalupo? Who were these people? What were they like? Um, Kern has been described as enigmatic. Uh, he's from Santa Barbara, born in 1964. He is a three-time world champion and just perhaps one of the most stylish surfers and most revered and influential in surfing's history. Um, many people think Slater might be the most uh, influential surfer uh, in terms of uh, competitive surfing and professional surfing. I would argue that Curran is more influential. And the reason being is that Curran's style was mimicked by everyone. Without Curran, you know, Rob Machado, Shane Dorian, Kelly Slater, uh, you know, Taylor Knox, all of those surfers of Momentum Generation, you know, they all tried to be Kern. They all mimicked him. Uh, many of them also with Aki, too. But it was Kern who really set the template of functional, beautiful surfing. Uh, you know, and the other thing is Kern was from the U.S. And at that time, growing up, like, Competitive surfing in the late 70s was not that cool. It was not seen as uh, something many surfers wanted to strive for or achieve in that time period, in the U.S. at least. Uh, and they didn't have anyone really representing the U.S. on the tour. You had Joey Baran and a couple Hawaiian. You had some Hawaiians, but you didn't have any ma real mainland surfers who was taking it to the tour. And so when Tommy came... It was a perfect timing, and he's also, by the way, I almost forgot to mention, his father is Pat Curran, who is a pioneer in big wave surfing and a master craftsman. Uh, Pat, who uh, many have regarded as one of the first people to surf Waimea and definitely one of the best uh, during the 50s and 60s, he made some of the most incredible boards and so it's kind of interesting to see, you know, that Curran and, you know, Tom and his dad, you know, there's a bit of legacy there between them. And I love to see that. And it's super interesting. Now, Aki, on the other hand, he is a revered Australian power surfer. He's from Sydney. He's born in uh, the town of Cornell near Cronulla. Uh, many of you, if you're not familiar with Cronulla, it's home to one insane wave, uh, Shark Island for sure, and it's got plenty of other waves around there. He was nicknamed the Raging Bull. Uh, Aki had a very tumultuous career. You know, he just shot out of the gates really hard, really fast, and just rocketed to the top of professional surfing, 
only to come down a few years later uh, and leave the tour, drop off, and then become kind of one of the first free surfers, to be honest, one of the first paid free surfers. Uh, he had made numerous attempts in the early 90s to come back on tour, and it wasn't until 1995 when he really got everything together, came back, uh, and then challenged Slater at the 1995 Pipe Masters Finals, uh, and then eventually joined the tour and finished second his first full year back on the CT. And then in 1999, would go on to claim the world title and has uh, put in memorable performances throughout his career. Now, the rivalry between these two. Aki was quoted in 1984 saying, Now I want to get real and stop these American wankers. It's my really bad attempt at uh, imitating him. <laughs> but these two, the rivalry was so perfectly matched. It was a goofy foot versus natural foot. Radical power gouges versus sublime style master. Australia versus America. Billabong versus OP. Quiet and shy versus outgoing and gregarious. Blonde versus brunette. Rusty versus Channel Islands. I mean, the two were perfectly contrasting to each other. It was wonderful to watch because you can see there were two separate styles of surfing that really you know contrasted but also you know went head to head and it was really enjoyable to watch as a as a surf fan uh the goofy foot in me wanted aki to win but the american in me really just was drawn to kern um you had a whole lot of other things happening here so Tom and Aki, they first met and competed against each other in the 1984 Stubbies Pro at Burley Heads. Aki won that first matchup. Then in 84, Aki beat Curran four straight times in the round of two. So it's really interesting there. Uh, you would think they would definitely have a little bit of a clash going. And both were kind of rising stars at the same time. And it really really picked up steam in the 1985 OP Pro. Now, that was the first real big meetup between the two. It was the finals. Kern was the defending champion. He had just won the OP Pro two years previous. And Aki was the young upstart. The crowds, you know, the ASP used to hold these events in, in big populated areas because that was the only way to really sell the sponsorship. And, oh my God, the OP Pro was crazy. And it was lined with people. And when you watch the clips on YouTube, it's unbelievable, actually. You know, you could hear how loud the, the crowd is. Um, so you had here 1985 OP Pro, Kern's the favorite. You have uh, announcing the contest, you have Ian Cairns. You have gymnast, Olympic gymnast, Bart Connor, and then you have actor Gregory Harris, who just happened to be a great surfer. And if you're not familiar with him, he is Chandler in the North Shore. And they are, um, they are, you know, the announcing for this contest. And you watch this heat. In my opinion, I thought Curran kind of won, but, uh, but Aki got the nod. And he really, it was this one wave that really stands out. 
It's a bit of a closeout left. Aki comes down, comes off the bottom, hits a nice, probably about a four-foot wave off the lip. Huge, big whitewash, goes down. He falls back. One leg, his back leg is extended up in the air. He's laying down, and you think he's gone, and then all of a sudden he gets back to his feet, and then Huntington hops and rides the wave all the way in. And that's what solidified the win. And that is really the first real big match between Aki and Kern that really was a final and it was big and really popular and drew tons of crowd and it was on TV. So it was a very, very, uh, it just captured everyone's imagination. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Acalupo came through in the end. Let's talk to you, Mark. How do you feel? I feel fantastic. Flabbergasted, fantastic, and everything. So Aki had a winning percentage over Curran going into Bells. And now there's a couple things we should discuss uh, leading up to this semi. A couple other things that I think we should all keep in mind and what contributed to this huge rivalry. And what contributed to all of us just basically, you know, putting it up on that pedestal. One, the surf industry was really starting to hit its stride at this point. Surfing was hot in the culture. Surfwear was becoming extremely popular. The brands like Quicksilver, Billabong, OP, they were all growing. Gotcha. They were all growing so fast. They were selling to department stores. They were selling to surf shops. Um, they were really just having quite a go. And so you had all of a sudden, like surfing was everywhere. And surfing and skating particularly were edgy and hip. And it wasn't yet fully corporatized. And Billabong and OP were at the front of this. Second, Derek Hind started covering the contest for Surfer Magazine. And you know, had even started his top 30 review around this time. It cannot be stressed enough how important Derek Hind is to this rivalry. Derek mythologized the two. He mythologized professional surfing and competitive surfing. He wrote as if Spartan gods were clashing. And for any teenager reading their latest surfer magazine, God, like, reading... His updates were just so exciting. He really just helped paint a beautiful picture of competitive surfing. He made it fascinating. He was able to, you know, know what the surfers were thinking. He was in all the contests. He had all the scores. God, like his reporting 
was incredible and it really captured all of our imaginations. The other thing to consider, man-on-man heats had become the norm, but they hadn't seen its full potential until this semifinal, I think. Um, Peter Droon had started it at the Stubbies in the late 70s, but it really came into its own when the ASP adopted it for pretty much most of their contests, and it was standardized and really took a little bit of time for it to really hit its stride, but gosh, it changed everything, and it changed competitive surfing. Competitive surfing would not be what it is today without the man-on-man heats. It just wouldn't. Uh, multiple people in heat, just not nearly as exciting and fun, actually. Um, the other thing to, to consider is this was the time where s- the surf public could really fall into two camps. You could be Team Aki or Team Curran. The two contrasted each other, and surfers around the world found something to identify within each of them. It was really the first time you could really get into one of these competitive surfers' camps and feel like almost part of like a, a sporting team of sorts. You know, I don't think like Shane Aran and Mark Richards, their rivalry ever really inspired such intense passion amongst surf fans. Aki and Curran, they really captured everyone's imagination and really got everyone on board. And really, you could just identify with one or the other and really get behind it. So I would say the Curran-Aki rivalry kind of created the fandom for professional surfing. And the next thing to consider is you could finally watch uh, surfing, you know, competitive surfing, either through Hot Summer Nights on ESPN or on a VHS cassette. All through the IPS years, you know, late 70s, you couldn't really watch the contests unless they were maybe on Wide World of Sports on ABC. But otherwise, you couldn't watch it over and over. This was the first time in surf history where you could, you know, record, you know, the contests on on ESPN on a VHS and watch it over and over. Or you could watch Billabong Surf into Summer or, uh, you know, Amazing Surf Stories or any of the other movies that had some of this footage. And so it was the first time you could really see the surfing and see the level they were at and not have to rely on still photos and uh, first, uh, first-hand accounts that were written. It really was the first time you could actually see it in action and really grasp what these surfers were doing, and it lived up to the hype. That was the other thing. And gosh, like I burned out our VHS playing this heat over and over, and uh, music too that would go with it. Like just everything about it. you just play it over and over, and you can mimic it, you know. And that really, to me was such an important aspect to the rise of professional surfing. The other thing to consider, the rise of amateur surfing. During the 70s, competitive surfing was really frowned upon. It wasn't until like the late 70s when the NSSA was formed 
And then, of course, you know, PT and Ian Cairns came in in 1980 and took over the NSSA team and trained them. But amateur surfing grew dramatically through the 80s. ESA was really going strong. The WSA, the NSSA, all of them had the, had so many amateur organizations going on. There was the Christian Surfing Association as well. Like, gosh, like you had so many different amateur organizations. You could have competition. And as a kid, as a grommet, you could live out your fantasies. You could compete. You could imagine yourself as Kern or Aki in a heat. Uh, Lord knows I did, you know, and... You know, you'd have the song from one of the movies you're watching and you'd have that in your head, getting psyched up for your heat. It really allowed you to identify with the surfers and really kind of live it. Um, so I think that is something to consider. Other thing that led up to this was the Australian and American uh, cultural exchange that was happening at this time. There was a moment in the 80s where American culture became obsessed with the Australian culture. Um, you had everything from Crocodile Dundee. That's a knife. That's a knife. To the Energizer Aussie commercials. To Midnight Oil, the band, was trending at the top of the charts. So you had all of this kind of Australian-American cultural exchange. And then you had the surfers there. And the two were the powerhouses of the surf world at the time. So... All of that played into it and allowed you to kind of get caught up into the rivalry. So next, we got to discuss then, why was this heat and rivalry so important? You know, and the real thing is, you know, and I think we've kind of covered it a little bit, but it gave the necessary boost to professional surfing. It captured the public's imagination. It inspired the next generation of surfers to take competitive surfing to the next level and take it more seriously. I mean, the momentum generation that came after really um, professionalized surfing. They, they really made it feel much more professional. Um, and then each generation after has just gotten more and more regimented about it. And with coaching and training and health and diets, it's, it's you know, each generation builds on top of the other. Um, but I would say Kern and Aki, they inspired this group of surfers to really take it seriously. Um, the other is Kern's style. It just became the default. It's in all of our DNAs. Anyone who grew up surfing in the 80s, 90s, or any time after, you have a little bit of Kern style in your surfing. The other is it created a marketing angle for pro surfing. This heat it hooked people. It was something to talk about. It allowed the magazines to have content to write about. Uh, you know, the, the rivalry is something that captures imaginations. I mean, you look at Ali versus Frazier, you know, all of those uh, boxing matches, they, they all, you know, it's so hard not to get swept up in it. Plus, at this time, around this time, also, you had, like, Rocky movies. Yo, it's Rocky IV. You had Ivan Drago and Rocky, you know. You're lose. You know, you had all of these kind of narratives that, that had, like, these rivalry kind of things going. You had Boris Becker versus Ivan Lendl in tennis. You know, it was really... Um, 
Something about it at that time in pop culture, it seemed to really work. And for, for surfing, you, haven't, you hadn't seen a rivalry like that. And then since, the only one to come close is Andy Irons and Kelly Slater. Whole driving force right now is to take his little pretty picture and just crush it. Um, really, there's, that's the only rivalry since that we could, I could really name that, you know, two surfers have really gone head to head. And the WSL, they try to manufacture these rivalries. They try to do it, but it just seems like a lot of the surfers don't, they just can't lift their performances uh, at the right time. And it always seems like even when there's a John John and Gabriel Heat, like one just kind of falters and doesn't really lift, you know? So I, I would say that these guys really did something by inspiring everyone. Um, and then the real reason, I think, is, you know, we've, we've all just put so much into it. We, it's captured our imagination. It's really allowed it to grow the myth over time. Uh, it's really become something part of our culture we constantly talk about. And the two surfers have, have gone on to live incredible lives and have successful careers. Um, that's not to say they haven't had their ups and downs. And, and Aki, like, God, like, what an incredible surfer. I mean, the guy has gone through depression. He had drug, drug abuse problems. He came back from numerous issues to win a world title later on in his career. It's really an incredible story. And so it inspires us. So these surfers... I don't know. It's just something that we, you know, I look at them and obviously you don't want to put people on a pedestal. You don't want to say, put them up and say, oh, these are the greatest human beings ever. But still their performance, it's, it's the performance that inspires us. It inspires us to do things beyond ourselves. It inspires us to surf out of our skin even. Um, you know, it, it makes surfing fun, you know, gosh, like how many times have you all, honestly, you know, you listening, have you ever imagined yourself in a heat? Have you ever had a pretend heat in your head? I do it all the time, especially when waves are crappy and small and I need to make it interesting. So I think this heat, what's so crucial about it is it, one, helped really lift the profile of competitive surfing it helped grow the sport and the industry and really gave a lot of incredible opportunities to younger surfers uh style wise it had a huge impact on the culture boards had it had a huge impact as well uh the shapers i mean we haven't even talked about rusty and al merrick i mean those shapers you know became massive because of these two surfers. You, you cannot, you could not imagine Channel Islands or Rusty where they are today without Kern and Aki. They, they owe them much of their business. Although they're incredibly talented shapers, don't get me wrong, but their feedback and their notoriety really helped blossom their companies. And gosh, like, if you don't have Channel Islands or Rusty and Surfing, our performance boards wouldn't maybe not be where they are today as well. 
So I think that is something to really consider uh, why this heap is so important, why it matters so much, and why you should know about it. Now, if you want to find more information on this heat, you can uh, check out, of course, some great movies that are online that you could go rent or find on YouTube. Um, there's Amazing Surf Stories with uh, the Tom Kern segment. It's just so damn inspiring. Uh, the music, it was custom made for Tom Kern's segment. It's called Top Cat. It's, it's awesome. It's mad cheesy, but it's so good. Um, and there's a really hilarious, awkward interview at the end with uh, Matt George and Tom Curran. They're sitting, and Matt is Matt George is sitting really close to Tom. Like it's it's a little uncomfortable watching. <laughs> I hope he had breath mints beforehand. Um, but then you have uh, Surf into Summer, which is narrated by Matt Warshaw, and Matt just delivers on the narration for the Aki Curran uh, semifinal. And this is probably the best segment uh, to watch this heat. It's not the full proper heat, but God, it's just the waves and the way it's done with the music and the slow-mo. It just looks great. There's this one shot when you have Curran on the inside wave, Aki on the outside, and they're both basically in the frame of the camera at the same time on dueling waves, and it's just glorious. I cannot recommend a better segment to go check out. Then you have the Occumentary, which is by Jack McCoy. Definitely a, uh, a video you should totally watch. It uh, goes into Aki's whole life, and it definitely covers the rivalry between him and Curran in a wonderful way. And then you have Searching for Tom Curran, which doesn't really go into the rivalry, but it's just phenomenal watching Curran surf. Uh, you can't, can't get enough of it. Um, articles that I used for this research, I read Scattered Recollections of a Showdown by Derek Hind in Surfer Magazine. Um, I don't know where you can get it. I have a PDF version that I will post uh, and send and hopefully it'll be on the website uh, for Surf Splendor. And then you have uh, the Tom Curran Letters, a digital conversation with Derek Hind, and it's in Surfing World magazine. Holy crap. It's a um, basically Derek and Curran writing each other questions and, and having a conversation and they're talking about the past, they're talking about the rivalry and Curran just really drops his guard and really lets you in. It is such a phenomenal interview. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out. There's another article I will post, and it's called One from the Heart by Matt George, and it's an interview with Tom after he won the world title. It's wonderful, and it captures a lot of Curran's idiosyncrasies, and, and it's just very well done. So that is... Surf History 101, the Tom Curran, Mark Ocklupel rivalry. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, it's a brief uh, overview, but God, we went on for a while, actually. So I hope you enjoyed this. We'll be posting more of these uh, in, the, in the coming weeks and months and try to give little explainers on surf history. For more, you can go to Surf Swender Podcasts and check us out there, or you can check us out at uh, hardcore surf underscore surf underscore history on Instagram. 
And I am Tyler Brewer, and hopefully I'll be back with my brother for another episode of Hardcore Surf History. Thank you. Take care. I'm in the lead at the moment, and I want to, I want to win the world title, and that's, uh, that's what I'm going to put everything into it right now. This year in Australia, Tom did just that. In the final at Bells Beach against former world champion Tom Carroll, Tom Curran pulled out the stops and charged right to the top. The final battle with Tommy Carroll was fiercely fought, and although the Australian did go on to win the event, it was Tom Curran who emerged as our new world champion, and an American hero was born. Point breaks, and I knew hockey was going to be really hard to 